For nearly 50 years, until 2009, the United States experienced enormous progress in race relations. Thanks to the efforts of individual citizens in their communities and not the nation's ruling elites and patronizing liberals, this country was well on its way to racial healing. In 2008 only 18% of all Americans were greatly concerned or worried about the state of race relations in the country. By 2017 that number had skyrocketed to 45%. Further, in 2008 66% of Americans thought race relations were good, by 2016, 63% thought race relation were bad. The common denominator in this freefall and primary instigator of the current societal chaos and national uncertainty, Barack Obama. As president and a man of African descent, Barack Obama was in a position to permanently mend fences and end the exploitation of racial politics bubbling beneath the surface. In fact, the American people, in particular the African-American community, were confident that race relations and opportunities for minorities would improve during an Obama presidency. A CBS poll taken just before the 2008 election indicated that 47% of blacks and 29% of whites thought race relations would improve while 42% of blacks and 48% of whites thought it would remain the same. Only 7% of blacks thought that Obama would make matters worse. However, true to his Marxist upbringing and indoctrination in critical race theory, he created and exploited racial tension for political objectives and monetary gain for him and his fellow travelers. Barack Obama and virtually all of his black and white collaborators on the left view the African-American population as both useful pawns in their insatiable quest for self-aggrandizement, financial benefit and political power, as well as helpless minions to be paraded about and bought off whenever convenient to the overriding political, societal or self-serving cause. In August of 1963, as a college student in Washington, D.C., I participated in the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, the highlight of which was the, I Have a Dream, speech by Martin Luther King. Thereafter and for a couple of years I became involved in the civil rights movement. During this period of time, I noticed that a sizable majority of the white volunteers from northern and western states and African Americans also from northern and western states fell into two categories insofar as their motivation to participate in the movement. The first, and most driven by ideology, were the hardcore leftists who viewed the black proletariat as potential foot soldiers and a gullible constituency to be manipulated into aiding them in overturning the government and establishing a socialist nirvana. The second, were white liberals who perceived participation in the civil rights movement to be the latest in thing while essentially viewing African Americans as a population to be ceremoniously pitied, patted on the head and made dependent mascots so these pompous narcissists could wallow in their self-righteousness. My involvement in the movement ended when it became clear that by the mid to late 1960s the civil rights movement and anti-Vietnam War crusade had both been hijacked by the radical left in order to legitimize and mainstream their anti-American Marxist movement. At the same time, black militant groups such as the Black Panthers, the Nation of Islam and the Black Nationalist Movement were on the rise. They espoused Marxism and the overthrow of American society using supposed irredeemable American racism as the primary tool of revolution. They soon discovered the inherent power of the racism accusation and how so many among the ruling elites and sanctimonious liberals in the white population could be easily intimidated and driven by guilt to acquiesce to monetary and policy demands. Over time it became clear to both branches of American Marxism, the hard-left faction and the black R.S. Dickles, that the path to revolution in the United States lay only secondarily in the centuries-old tactic of class warfare and primarily in unending racial politics, and so they unceasingly instigated racial animosity. 
The primary feature of that strategy was the unconscionable use of the black citizenry as unsuspecting pawns to be manipulated as victims when the circumstances could be exploited for incitement or monetary gain, and their plight ignored when the circumstances could not. It was inevitable that these two Marx's sympathizing factions would merge. Legitimized and mainstreamed into American society by their anti-Vietnam War and militant civil rights activities, the radical left began successfully infiltrating and dominating the higher education establishment, the entertainment complex and the Democrat Party. Within 30 to 35 years those institutions were essentially controlled by the Marxists. The last step would be the elevation to the presidency of an electable and personable stealth graduate of the movement who would trigger the revolution. Meanwhile, the white-dominated ruling class, in an effort to catch up to what was happening on the ground and in furtherance of their inbred condescension, opened its ranks to black leaders who were willing to betray their fellow blacks for a place at the table and monetary gain. This alliance resulted in the creation of countless failed welfare and social programs that destroyed the pride and cohesion within what was once a fiercely independent and noble people despite the obstacles placed before them for so much of the nation's past. Rampant crime, 77% of births to unwed mothers, deliberate ill-education and a loss of self-respect has condemned nearly an entire race to involuntary serfdom dependent on the largesse of patronizing liberals both white and black. Thus, a population that can easily be exploited and manipulated. Despite the racial politics, avarice and megalomania of the ruling elites and radical leftists, the American people, both black and white, took it upon themselves to dramatically confront racism and race relations on a local and community level. By 2008, 77% of all Americans, 60% of blacks thought that race relations were good in their individual communities. However, the determination to reverse this trend and instigate racial animosity, manipulate the black citizenry, exploit the credulousness of white liberals and unleash racial opportunism began soon after Barack Obama assumed the presidency and became the titular leader of the ruling class. He and his henchmen deliberately set out to fan the dying embers of racism into a national conflagration. As president, Obama unabashedly and falsely claimed that racism is permanently embedded in America's DNA, i.e. systemic racism, he never missed an opportunity to pour gasoline on potentially volatile occurrences even if the facts were unknown or totally fabricated. Whether it was his spurious justification of overt voter intimidation by the Black Panthers in Philadelphia, his gratuitous and unfounded criticism of the police in the Henry Louis Gates affair, his inflammatory rhetoric and prejudgments about the Trayvon Martin incident in Florida, the Michael Brown shooting in Ferguson, Missouri or the Freddie Gray episode in Baltimore, among others. Further, Obama gave his tacit imprimatur to the formation of the Marxist Black Lives Matter organization to exploit and profit off of the pretext that white police officers wantonly killed innumerable unarmed blacks annually. He implicitly sanctioned violence and lawlessness as a means of protest, obliquely justifying the criminality by claiming that the United States is an irredeemably racist country. He promoted the denigration of an hatred towards the police which has resulted in an 25% increase the number of police officers murdered in the six years since the Ferguson riots versus the prior six years. He effectively espoused blatant racism and discrimination against the white population by promoting radical racist doctrines such as critical race theory, thus, enriching the proponents and his former mentors. Obama and his fellow travelers in the Marxist movement within the ruling class knew that a substantial share of a preconditioned and ill-educated black populace would easily fall prey to this demagoguery and could be counted on to participate in marches and riots while accepting at face value that the United States was a, systemically, racist country.
They also knew that the bulk of self-described, and also ill-educated, white liberals, in particular females under 40, seeking relevance and swept up in what they perceived to be a grand crusade of promoting all manner of, civil rights, in a heartless, capitalistic society, would be easily manipulated and not only accept at face value that the United States is a, systemically, racist country but would also participate in marches and riots. Looking at the landscape of American society today, it not an overstatement to say that Obama's treachery has, thus far, been wildly successful in creating societal chaos and uncertainty. The race-induced riots and criminality in the summer of 2020, together with the overt participation of Black Lives Matter and other radical leftist groups in the fraudulent election results, eventuated in the placement of the avowed radicals in the corridors of power and a mendacious befuddled puppet controlled by the Marxists in the White House. Critical race theory is rapidly becoming mandatory at all levels of education and is now infecting corporate boardrooms. At present, many Americans ignorantly accept the lie that the nation is systemically racist, therefore, a radical transformation of society is necessary. In order to do so, the following is mandatory. Universal censorship of any leftist-defined hate speech, the abrogation of religious freedom, reverse discrimination, the elimination of any political opposition, a dual-tier system of justice and the shredding and de facto replacement of the Constitution. To the American Marxist movement, the century-old dream of pushing aside their confederates in the current ruling class and assuming near-dictatorial power appears to be in reach. However, it will not happen. First, as the pre-Obama polls reinforce, this is not a racist country and on a local and community level people of all races know that, and that knowledge is beginning to prevail over transparent racial demagoguery. Second, the radical left will, and are, overreaching, thus opening the eyes of many previously indifferent citizens. Third, the Marxists, through their policy prescriptions, have begun to turn on their self-righteous white liberal allies who will eventually wake up from their desire to be a part of what they obliviously perceive to be the in-crowd. Fourth, the so-called mainstream media, also dominated by these same self-righteous liberals, is in a freefall and is rapidly losing its influence. Lastly, this nation of 330 million people the size of the continent of Europe has a 245-year history of individual freedom and independence that cannot be erased or overcome. However, the American people must never again fall prey to a glib, personable presidential candidate because of his or her skin color. Barack Obama is not only the worst president in United States history, he is also guilty of sedition.